0: Hey, Lover.
1: Hey, Lover.
0: Uh, we're on another episode of our podcast, Lover's Life.
1: Yes, that is true.
0: <laughs> Who are we?
1: Um, the Mighty Mighty Love Roots.
0: I'm Kyla and you're Michael, Francis. That,
1: that's right. That's one of my names, at least.
0: All right, so at the top of the show, we do bio bullet point.
1: Mm -hmm. That's what
0: I've come to call it. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to add one to yours. Okay. I don't really have like a short way, but um, a fun fact about you is that you you lived out a homelessness project in New York City in the dead of winter. And lived homelessly on the streets of New York City. Is this true? That's true. That's your bullet point for the week. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My only regret in that experience, that at least I can remember now, is just that I let people talk me out of continuing when a big snowstorm was coming through. <laughs> I mean, it could have been smart of them.
0: So you wish that you would have lived longer? I
1: think I felt like it would have been cool to wake up one morning and the snow was just there. (laughs) (laughs) Like in a park somewhere. That's what I was planning to sleep that night in some park.
0: So you were convinced otherwise and then you did not return back to the streets.
1: Yeah, because I think I, I took shelter that night with somebody and then it just entered another path in life. So
0: wow, I don't know if I know that part. Um you are a man full of story and mystery. <laughs> well, it's a lead into our topic tonight which is By the way, it's really nice to see you. <laughs>
1: yeah we uh often start this podcast like i'm working i get home from work and then it's sort of like instantaneously start the podcast so like we are connecting (laughs) now as we're doing this
0: yeah it's nice to be here (laughs) with this dedicated hour to talk to you about the life Mm -hmm. thanks for being here yeah so, tonight's kind of top- topic is I wanted to talk about adventurous living. It could lead into like discussions around nomadic living or other types of living both of us have done some different variations of the life and What brought me to want to talk about this with you tonight is we're on the brink of our next big adventure. We have two months to go until we hit the road with a few backpacks, our kiddos, and explore a different country. And there's typically whenever I do bold, courageous things, I enter a period of reflection with myself around, you know, some of the fear or anxieties that come up when you're on the brink of doing something adventurous. And I think to myself, like, wait, like, why am I doing this? Like, it's, Created, like, a high-octane situation. Um, We're doing all the things, a lot of different things, in order to, like, prepare. It's stepping out of comfort zone. You know, like, I'm pretty cozy right now. And the only thing... Like, it kind of seems like this balance I have to hold. And the anxieties or some overwhelm or fear that gets mixed up into the emotions. For whatever reason, that never seems to... There's something bigger than that that pushes me into the adventure. So I don't know if that's personality or if that's like higher purpose, (coughs) soul calling kind of stuff but there's always a period of time before setting out for a big adventure where there's kind of this time of anxiety overwhelm and kind of like what the fuck am I doing (laughs) but then I know that there is something bigger pushing the storyline along which is I guess a, a calling to live an adventurous life or to take big bites out of this earth while we have it like this drive within me so anyways i've been reflecting about that and i was just wondering can you pinpoint what it is within yourself that drives you towards bold courageous living
1: um yeah that's an interesting question uh
0: aside from a homelessness project in the dead of winter in new york city you too have also had a thirst for adventure
1: yeah definitely um you saying besides the homelessness thing just made my mind go to the categories we just came up with for nomadic living and i guess my homelessness project would be like a local nomad type of a thing Mhm. Anyway, um yeah, so uh I mean, it, there is sort of this unnameable thing which you sort of mentioned, which is just sort of a call to adventure. Um there's sort of an exhilaration. There's kind of like a feeling of uh, letting my spirit, like my well, my spirit then feels like free and like it can expand out into the distance um you know I can get a similar feeling sometimes if I'm just outside in a big field or something like that too but certainly there's a similar a similarity and a difference when you yeah go out on the road It it's kind of is maybe that feeling like of being in a big field and feeling really exhilarated and Airs blowing against you, but you just get that feeling just from uh nomading around and um and so I think that feeling is is great and it's a feeling I enjoy, and so that something that's attractive about it, and then like that unnameable call and then I think um. I just really love feeling other energies and people. And so I think, you know, that's and different cultures and, and uh, you know, energies of places and stuff. And so, um, and I'm a really curious person in general. And so I think all those factors probably play into why I had loved sort of, going on road trips or traveling or stuff like that
0: Mm -hmm. yeah the word that comes to mind as you were speaking was like expansion or expansive and i feel like that's what nomad life or traveling or the answering these different calls for adventure there's always growth and expansion that's a part of that path and it's kind of like forcing it in some ways (laughs) like there's no way to like I don't think for me I'll speak for myself but I don't think there's any way to go and take off on an adventure and not experience growth expansiveness and change parts of myself and You know, our family started on a 5,000-mile road trip. Yeah. Yeah. That's, like, how we, that's when we made a baby and started our family. And I remember on, that was the first time that you and I had done any, what I would consider, like, substantial travel together. 5,000 miles is a lot. And, you know, I think back to that trip, it would have been four and a half years ago or so. And um, I think we could really confidently step into family life together after it because I think it was four weeks on the road, 5,000 miles. There's a lot of ground to cover. So like our own growth, not just as individuals, but as a couple through that trip, I don't know if that same amount of growth and expansion could have occurred just kind of Kicking it at home <laughs> doing the day to day, I don't think that it would be like as um,
1: also, it's something it like
0: pushes that growth,
1: yeah, and it's also something that we both it was a big part of both of our lives, and so to you know, if if we couldn't resonate like traveling together, it probably would have been an indication that we probably weren't compatible enough to should have a baby together or stay together long term. And so the fact that we could do it in a way that was fun and compatible and resonating um, also was.
0: Yeah, you bring up a good point. I love a lot of people. I can't travel with everybody. There's probably just a few people, actually, that I can, could do that, like, a big adventure with. It takes, like, a certain amount of compatibility to sit in a car for 5,000 miles. You know, it can even be, like, little things, like how often the person wants to stop, or if they're okay just crashing at rest stops, or if they want to spend money on more, like, something more accommodating um so yeah that's an interesting reflection i have more reflections about it which is this idea so I, you know i think i would consider my nomadic life starting about 8 years ago um i went on a trip to Costa Rica again for a short time but that trip changed my life. It changed, like, the trajectory, <laughs> probably, of my life. And that was just about eight years ago. And being more nomadic and, um, you know, I think moving around a lot. Like, I think we've lived in five places together. It might, we might be in our sixth. Um, and we've just been together now for five years <laughs> but I had this reflection about what could be driving that and I know deep down it came from this desire to I was a seeker at first I was seeking ejecting myself out of the mainstream and actually trying to find like a simple existence one that wasn't so driven by materialism and like all this other stuff with distractions and drama and I was searching for something just simpler and more minimalist and then I got to thinking tonight before the show that like there also may be a drive to live a decentralized life It's a new concept that I'm just thinking of regarding to, like, nomadic living, but I think it matches other values around egalitarianism and the desire to live more decentralized. So what's a better way to do that? Like, you could invest in crypto and, like, get really into blockchain technology. You can, you know, like, try to i don't know i think when we think about decentralized we think about power and money a lot but i was thinking of it more from like a place of decentralizing myself (laughs) and going out and getting decentralized experiences does that make any sense
1: yeah it makes a lot of sense i thank you for bringing up a new concept it's pretty uh cool to think about yeah decentralized life or decentralized living um yeah I mean I guess like centralized living would be like you center your life around um maybe like a few main things like you live in the same place you work the same job you have the same routine every day um and sort of a a decentralized life seems to be something that's like you're, you're you might have more variety um like more options that you can tap into like in in all types of ways like i guess job or hobbies or places or people um and uh <clears throat> and yeah it's that is uh a cool way to think about it um another thing I wanted to respond to before you, you had mentioned something about like, sometimes it's like a kind of a forcing to go on an adventure. And, um, and yeah, when, when I reflect on that, like I faced resistance from, you know, family members, some friends. um, And then also like there's other kinds of resistances, which kind of, place into maybe this decentralized concept a little bit i'm not sure but when you go traveling there is a way to do it but typically you're it's not the most efficient way to save money and so like there can be that resistance in the sense that you realize like it's not like uh And especially living within, like, a capitalist society, it can seem foolish, like, you know, to yourself or to others because it's kind of like, well, what are you getting out of this? You're just going to meet a few more people. You're going to go see a few more sites, you know. It's like, like those things are not, like, monetized in our society. Like, the experience of being on the road, like, even in our crazy commodified world that i don't think yet anyone has figured out how to put a price tag on like well wait you know what's the price tag of like you know driving through wyoming over the course of two days it's like there is no price tag to that but um but yeah so i think like uh there is kind of a a forcing then because you know um yeah besides resistance you might face from like family or friends there's also this other resistance i mean if you're super rich then i guess the resistance to not be making a decision that's going to be uh, building your income again most likely of course you could be like a travel entrepreneur or something like this but um but yeah so uh so yeah i mean it's yeah it's just you, yeah it's kind of like you i don't know i i just remember feeling sometimes like i would keep weighing the both sides the pros and the cons and then at a certain point like you almost like it it you sometimes it's like you can't let it go down to just logic you just you're sort of like well i don't know i'm just like you know life is a mystery and so i'm just gonna (laughs) sort of just go for this one and see what happens, you know, it's that type of thing.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like um, the decision was made a long time ago for me, and that is whatever decision is yet to come as well. (laughs) I know that that could sound really abstract, but through traveling and through different adventurous ways of living um whether it was like in the jungle in Costa Rica or on an island without running water um living out of a van backpacking different things that I've done it's kind of just this answer to like a decision that was already made long ago within my bones or my soul. But I think that there's still times and I don't know how much of it is influenced by my inner voice or from like what's around us in society if that voice starts to creep in. And I think it's probably more so that, but there's been times where like especially like backpacking and then being a female backpacker as well and doing solo backpacking adventures. There's like a lot of outside noise that can come in, like a lot of fear from others about like my safety or um, like some, yeah, just anxiety around that from people who love me. And that would creep in sometimes, like as I'm packing everything on my back, making, you know, food and water rations <laughs> for um whatever amount of time I'm going to go out and be also out of touch without any service I always knew that once I was on the mountain like so the voice of anxiety might kick in as I'm packing my bag but once I'm on that mountain like it all fades away and the answers are very clear as to the why and it's all around and i think that that's nature connection i think it's connection to myself i think it's getting away from that noise and like answering to something that's actually pretty quiet and um like wholesome and fulfilling for me and so i think even though i found myself in the last couple of weeks allowing that anxiety and that overwhelm to come back in I know that, like, it will be, (laughs) it will become clear to me when it's meant to be. I think, like, a lot of that can also not just come from external sources, the fear, anxiety, and overwhelm, but it can also come from just trying to figure out things that you don't know yet. Like, there's something about, like, stepping into the unknown that you just learn to hold in a certain way. And sometimes I think when you're on the brink of stepping into something unknown, that's, your brain is just trying to fill in the pieces for you. And that can kind of cause anxiety and fear. That's my theory, at least.
1: No, yeah, that's cool. So it's like, yeah, part of the exhilaration. So I guess it's like, You know, so, like, some people really get fascinated about cars. And as you're learning something that you're fascinated and passionate about, there's new stuff that you experience. And then there's the experience of it feeling amazing as you're learning it, like, as you're going through it. But it's, like, a similar thing when you're nomading. It's just, like, on... Like a more like broadened scale, like you're not like you know a car is sort of centralized, and you know there's only so many parts to it, and so like when you're when you're nomading, I think it's like a lot like you're in the in the social and sort of logistical field of things, so like there's you know a lot of social stuff and and I guess depending on how much nature you're in, it's also like natural so like there's these challenges that come up that are natural challenges that come up that are social, you know, dealing with other humans. And then challenges that are come up that are like logistical of like a a number of different varieties. Like maybe your car breaks down or, you know, um, you realize that, you know, something on your path is now you have to take a different road or something like this. And, um, yeah, that reminds me. I was driving through Wyoming one time, and Wyoming's kind of a crazy state. We just, we were driving on this road for like many miles, and then all of a sudden we just got to the end of the road, and it was just <laughs> like, it just said, you know, you have to turn around and go back. And it was like Wyoming's crazy because it's not like there's so many. Intersection. So we literally had to drive like 30 miles back on the same road to get to like the next intersection. And so anyway, that's uh, an example and a funny story. But, um, but yeah, th- this sort of this, that is like what is exhilarating. And I guess then that's where like a spiritual angle can come in as well as like the only way you can experience that type of like spiritual uh experience (laughs) is to thrust yourself into it you know there's no way to like know what it feels like to go through the unknown and how to navigate that other than to just kind of like do it like it's you can't really like like you can't like like you can't like be living in a city and then like you know they have these you know, like, a, like you can't just go to, like, a theater that, like, simulates what it would be like to go on a, a road trip for 5,000 miles over a few weeks.
0: Yeah, I think that's interesting about nomadic living that you're kind of bringing up is kind of this requirement of problem solving that comes up there's just things that come up in your path and it's like oh okay now there's this and I think that's in um day-to-day life in all sorts of different lifestyles but I think with nomadic living it feels a little bit more intense because you have to rely on the home that's within you it's not so um it's kind of doing things without much of a safety net when you decide to just like, you know, I've been having a lot of deja vus lately. I'm selling all of our things. I'm getting rid of a lot of our things and I'm having these like deja vu moments. And, and, um, I feel like it's nothing like too mysterious of why I'm having deja vus. I've done this many times in my life now. And so I think it's just this, Sensation that comes over me of like, oh, we're doing this again. But, um, you know, it's kind of like you toss away some of, like, not just materialism, but, you know, it's a lifestyle where you say see you later to a lot of different people um, that you may connect with in a certain location, and then when it's time to go, you're kind of saying see you later, and um, I guess... Yeah, I feel like it's kind of like this, The anything that might be, it's relying on a lot of safety within yourself and kind of a purging of a safety net. And so when you come, I, I can remember this one time where um, I was in a similar, so I did the things that I'm doing now, giving away all of my possessions, selling things, and choosing to live on the road and I was also um like eight weeks or ten weeks pregnant with my son and I we were living in a teepee at the time and it was like our second so that's what we moved into we moved into a teepee for a couple of weeks and on the second night of living in the teepee it rained and our rain protection went out on us and everything got freaking soaked like everything just got soaked and of course we thought that we did a really great job protecting ourselves from the rain and it ended up where I had to take our things to like a laundromat that was like 45 minutes away And I was standing in the laundromat as I'm like watching the washer and dryers go, like a very movie moment. (laughs) I'm like standing there with morning sickness, hauling all of the possessions that I did keep, anything that's washable to the washer and dryers at a laundromat. Just having like that vulnerable feeling of oh, I don't have that home I just left that has rain protection all the time and a washer and a dryer and, like, that it's interesting because it's a challenge, but then there's also euphoria that comes and funny stories and laughing about it of, like, oh, my gosh, that's a great story now. That was years ago, and I can still remember kind of the mixed feelings of, like, wow, I'm living in a TV. (laughs) And, um, you know, the the learning was that we definitely learned how to protect the shelter from rain in the future. But, um, yeah, I feel like there's also something to be said about, like, surrender So I have two mantras right now that are getting me through the process, which is let go and let go a little bit more. And that's not just like regarding material possessions. That's just like any resistance that comes up. Let go, let go a little bit more and then push and then push a little bit harder. And I think those mantras are probably going to be something I rely on for like the next year of my life. But I also feel like that surrender of let go and let go a little bit more when it comes to big bold adventures is helpful because I've also learned that being too rigid and convincing myself that I know how everything's going to work out can cause a lot more pain and strife. And now like eight years into kind of doing this more and becoming more well-practiced realizing there's what should be expected is unexpected things and what I can rely on are the skills that I've built the inner fortitude the wisdom to know that I can get myself through a lot of different crazy situations because luckily the lifestyle has provided me eight years of experience of getting through out there crazy challenging situations but by becoming too rigid and thinking convincing myself like oh yeah it's gonna like this is how it has to go like it's good to have um a plan but I also think it's really good to have that like flex to just knowing that like it's the life and there's unknown on the other side
1: yeah I think I always, in my nomading trips, I always sort of went like that. It was sort of, yeah, like, I I I like having a plan because you, I don't want to have to, like, I like to pre-plan some because sometimes once I get to a place, I don't necessarily want to spend the energy to, like, do the logistical planning like oh what's the best places here or something but then at the same time I also even if I like have like oh these are 10 cool places in this location so then I like have a choice when I get there but then like I'm not attached to like a a specific itinerary if I get there and all of a sudden some other cool thing comes up or I just meet some cool people and We just talk most of the time and I don't go anywhere. Um, And so, so, yeah, there's that. And then also, I feel like we've sort of maybe mentioned it so far explicitly. But I think it probably would make some significant difference depending on, I guess you could say, how much money you have in the bank when you're nomading think both of us most of the trips that we're talking about we didn't necessarily have a significant amount of money in the bank Mm -hmm. um and so that makes it so like I mentioned before like if the car breaks down so if I have like a million dollars in the bank that's no big deal at all (laughs) um and also like what's no big deal is if you're not having like fun on the road you know or like you get stranded out in Nevada somewhere, like, you know, even the next car that passes, even if they don't really want to help you out, if you offer them $1,000 to just drive you 50 miles, <laughs> I'm sure they're going to, a high percentage of people are going to say yes to that. And so... um Not to say, of course, there is no matter how much money you have, there still will be challenges. But I think it definitely can make a difference. And I think like what we've been talking about so far is most of our trips have been with like a a lower
0: amount in the bank.
1: And um, and so uh,
0: scrappy nomads.
1: Yeah. And so. um, So, yeah, that has a different flavor for sure. Because then you're also, you know, it's, yeah, you're just, you're trying to eat a little bit and you're just, yes, scrapping.
0: Scrapping. Yeah, I think in terms of preparation, I always, um, you know, I think it's what we're doing for this upcoming adventure to Mexico, which is like, part of the process that I enjoy is like, gear and what I'm bringing with me um which I ideally like to keep pretty minimal but I like to know you know it's like the basics like I want to make sure that I have clothing water (laughs) and some of these basic things and so I like brainstorming and planning and preparing that aspect i don't look up i'll look up fun facts i will look up different um things about areas that i'm going to but i with the internet anymore i feel like it takes some of the fun out so i don't look at pictures of where i'm going um i like to allow that to unfold when i arrive um it's been like that for backpacking adventures as well like knowing that like whatever summit I'm going to is going to be way more beautiful if I let the mystery unfold in front of me instead of looking at others who have had that experience be for me um so yeah that's one thing I don't like to do I don't like to look at Pictures of where i'm going i mean with accommodations that's one thing like you i do look at pictures of those but i i don't like to look at pictures of like the town or the village or any of that i want to experience it once my feet are on the streets of that location
1: yeah it's so exhilarating um so yeah so another thing too is um I think we have a little bit more in the bank than our past nomading trips. But I think the other wrinkle this time is we're going with two young kids. And and also to like a new country uh, where, you know, sort of, yeah, it's, uh, it'll just be different challenges. Um, and so I think that that... Uh, that sort of makes it somewhat even to the feeling of the other ones, where it's just you're single and you have, like, no money. Now we have a little more money, but there's sort of, like, I guess more on the line than... um, Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so yeah, so it has a similar feeling, even though there's some dynamics that are different, uh, which I think is also interesting.
0: Yeah, so with... Our oldest kiddo, Dahana, we did a U.S. four-week nomad adventure, I think, with her, and then we recently did another three-week nomad adventure just this past year with both of the kids, which I feel like gave us the courage to travel more. Um, Do you ever get concerned that We are projecting our lifestyle onto our young children. Like, in a... In any negative sense.
1: I think I have got concerned about that a handful of times. But at the current time, I'm not too concerned about that. Just because... Well, they've both responded very favorably to being at new places. Um... Zula today seemed souped <laughs> <laughs> about uh, going to Mexico, um, and yeah, I don't know. I just I at the moment it, you know I've, it it's there's this weird thing where like where like so they're born into a location, but there are millions or infinite locations, um, essentially in the world. And so like, why, like, I guess there is this feeling like, oh, well, we're taking them from this location, but it's sort of like, they're not from any location. They were born into one location, but that's, that's not like their location. Like they didn't like, it wasn't like God before they were born was okay. And then you, are gonna live in this town in tennessee um and you know that's just that's your location and then you're looking yeah yeah and so um so there's no i mean you know so the only other thing then is like you know people can get used to a location and but yeah in any case it's like since we've done it and Just judging by their personality and past experience. And then also, like, we try to get their consent as much as is possible. Um, Of course, like a younger a person is, the harder it is to sort of gauge consent. um, Because the language is uh, not... Sometimes, you know, babies don't come out speaking English. And so... Um, But, yeah. As far as, uh, you know, we we try to talk to them and ask them about it. And and yeah, I mean, it seems like Dahan is getting to an age now where, like, she can definitely consent more in the sense where, you know, it's like she could consent somewhat all along, but sometimes it, it was, like, it's unclear if she was just, like, saying yes without understanding the gravity of, what that answer means and as she grows older it feels like she's understanding more what she's consenting into and so um you know like recently she wanted to get her hair cut and we like sort of paused it for a few weeks and just to see if she would continue asking and you know she did and then And then, you know, and then even the day we were going to do it, we were kind of like, well, you're aware that if you cut this much hair off, it might take a while to grow back. She's like, yeah, I know. And like, you know, so it's like sort of hard a three and a half year old going on four. It's like, do they know? Like, do they really know? Like, uh, if they cut their hair a certain way and they don't like it, that it's going to take a while. And so, but it seemed like she was pretty aware of all the dynamics involved.
0: Yeah, it wasn't just a haircut. She wanted to shave her head, and that she did. And I think that, if anything, she was just patiently waiting a few weeks for us to come around. She <laughs> knew what she wanted, and I was really proud of the way that she executed her request, which was just. It's time to shave my head today. Today is the day we shave my head. Like, and I need you to do it. And uh, I took that request really seriously. And she loves it. Um, I think that for me as a parent, I, you know, there's an interesting thing of, like, how... You know, there's values that infuse our guidance and our beingness with our kids. And then there's also trying to be careful not to project my own dogma on our children. And I feel like part of what I want to guide our children towards is finding that, like, home is within you. Kind of that inner fortitude, that strength, the courage... The self-knowingness that wherever you are, you have the home that's within you. And I feel like that is really well-developed when traveling or um, doing new adventurous things. Do you think that's a, I don't know that I have an expectation, like you will find a home within you and that's my expectation. But I do feel that I, um, that's a value that's guiding me as a parent through this is like a hope of a development of, of that within them.
1: Yeah, I guess a related subject too is, um, you know, I'm not like the super hugest fan of Tony Robbins, but there's this one saying, uh, or like little spiel he had once that I watched about... Sometimes we um, sort of, I guess, talk about having a lack of resources, and he says you know, sometimes it's not a lack of resources, but a lack of resourcefulness. And that's not necessarily to diss anybody. Um, But I think it's sort of, it's meant to be less of a diss and more as a way to inspire yourself. If If you're thinking to yourself that you have a lack of resources, that may indeed be literally true. But it may be a better attitude to take to think about how you can increase your resourcefulness because that may be the attitude that can actually help lift you out of the situation rather than continuing to focus on the lack of resources and I think that that relates to finding a home anywhere in the sense like you know sometimes it's just it's this yeah like um you know, there I guess there is even literally like resourcefulness. If you have resourcefulness, no matter where you are, then you could sort of build a home wherever you are. And, you know, the the, the meta of thinking about that is like, yeah, your home is always with you. And so um yeah, I mean, it's sort of a yeah, it is kind of abstract in a way. Um and like you don't necessarily have to think of it as home, but it is a nice metaphor. But I think the idea is that you, yeah, maybe like you have a way of life about you that you can bring anywhere or into as many different contexts as you can. Um, And, you know, I think that that can be a good thing. Uh, Not to say, you know, like, I guess everyone is gonna travel more or less depending on their preference and different circumstances and certainly there is something to be said for remaining in one location for a while if it if you what you want to do is build something up there but to have the ability to go anywhere and still feel sort of at peace with yourself and sort of confident to build you know be yourself and practice your way of life and build something wherever you go or wherever you end up I think that yeah that definitely is something that I think is is valuable and um and I guess one last thing I'll tie into that is the last topic we're talking about projecting or I guess maybe we're still on that topic um i think like it's uh yeah so on the one hand just like regular view of it it's like yeah i I don't want to like um i don't want to put my dogma or like push my kids to be something that i want to be or that i wanted to be but i i didn't make it to be a basketball star so now I'm going to try to make them a basketball star or something like this but on the other hand I all, there's also like a realism that there is no doubt that the way I am some parts of that is going to rub off on them and there's no way to avoid that and that's part of like a natural part of being a parent Um and so I think like there's just kind of like a a balance and mindset of like you know, like I cause I also don't want to be neurotic about like, oh, like I can't talk about that or I can't talk about that because I don't want to, you know, I basically would have to not talk about anything <laughs> or not do anything if I didn't want to rub, possibly rub off some of my, you know, good or bad habits on them. And so I think, you know, I guess it's also like a kind of a humility as well that, yeah, and also just like a realism that, um, you know my biases are going to come through and some of my, you know, there is going to be, you know, I guess not like in a terribly bad way, hopefully, but you know, it's like my propaganda or my indoctrination will come through to them in some way. Um, but hopefully it's, it's a good, mostly good way.
0: I think also we have some pretty bold, um, outspoken children who as long as we continue to foster their personalities I think that they will challenge us on that (laughs) you know I think that that's another thing is like being humble enough to be challenged by that like that's kind of part of breaking down hierarchical systems Is like just because it's your word and you're the father or whatever that doesn't mean that it's true and right and so as long as they know that I think that the they'll give you plenty of pushback if that does come to be and me as well
1: yeah and I think like I think where it can get negative is when you're like when you're like breaking someone's spirit or when you're like intimidating them or like pressuring them intensely like yeah so like especially with Dahana, it's like it seems apparent to me that she is very much her independent person um, regardless of stuff we do now there obviously there is stuff that I guess we kind of make her do that she may not want to do but then of course even as an adult like I can't do everything I want to do because of, you know, I don't have like a parent over me per se, but like the authority of, you know, the government, it's like, you know, for the most part, I don't have a, a beef with any of the laws or anything like this, but there might be a few of them where it's like, well, if those laws didn't exist, maybe I would more liberally engage in this behavior that's illegal. Um,
0: or it be less inconvenienced. I just be less protocols. Incon- yeah,
1: not even <laughs> laws. Like, yeah, just culture, um, economic dynamics, and the economic system. Um, but, yeah, what I was getting at is with Dahan is, like, you know, sometimes it's kind of like, well, everybody is, we're going home now from the grocery store, and, like, maybe she wants to stay there for another hour. It's like, well, you know, her will is going to be overridden in that, circumstance but that's just like the natural circumstance of just all children in some way um and so you know obviously if it was one of my friends and i'm like all right we're going home and they're like well i want to stay it's like well i drove so if you want to go back to our house you're gonna have to go in the car they at least have a choice they can decide to stay and find another ride but in the case of like small children that's not the case and so that's like the only thing where you know they they don't really have much of a say but as much as possible other than that I think that we try to uh give them a say or at least have some input in the in the thing
0: Mm -hmm. um do you have like any spiritual beliefs that they're like soul or spirit attracted their earth family to like to come into a resonant energy field i think it's meaning p- like is it possible that like if we're on a nomadic trip as a couple and we make a baby on a nomadic trip that baby might have more of an inclination for the nomadic living
1: <laughs> i think that, i mean i know that yeah. like
0: i don't know i'm humble enough to be like i don't know but it could be possible
1: yeah, so I think it is it is definitely possible. So I guess it's like you have those like th- three kind of factors. It's like you have, obviously, you have like the biological DNA or the genetics. And then you have the sort of the, uh, the environment or the culture. So just the fact that from the time they were in the womb to born as an infant as they're still developing their personality they're hearing us like communicate a lot and just that aspect itself would maybe have some influence like i we have a lot of conversations but i'm sure some of them in like the first year of life um of the of the babies are kind of around nomading and so just by hearing us they may get a favorable view or an unfavorable view of it
0: Or we're doing it and being a part of it
1: yeah and then the other aspect is sort of this the spiritual dna which you brought up which could be somewhat uh well no epigenetics is more like uh, the the bridge between genetics and environment um could be spiritual but spiritual dna is like also there's a bridge between genetics and spiritual dna because genetics in a very real sense is a code of all the past experiences that all our ancestors had and so like all that experience is condensed into a code so you don't get like every experience of all your ancestors but you get sort of a distilled summary version of it I guess as a code to start out your life here on earth and so in some sense that's um similar to like a spiritual DNA because you're hearkening back to your ancestors but I think the spiritual side you were talking about goes even a little further which is like you know something beyond even just the lineage of our ancestors, some sort of like, you know, divine force um that's even beyond that. And I think, you know what what's that movie? Um Soul. Oh, Remember yeah. that one? Mm-hmm. So yeah I think if you wanna <laughs> that's maybe the best movie to understand this concept <laughs> if you wanna watch a movie. But yeah, it's like is there yeah. something before birth that, like, sort of is already getting you in a direction in life, you know?
0: Yeah. I think we're going to end it on that. (laughs) (laughs) All (laughs) right. Thank you so much for um, sitting with me and talking about adventurous living and then the ponderment of soul tribe attraction. It's been a really great Saturday night sitting down with you, lover, and talking about the things.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Well, we love you guys, but we love each other more. Later. Peace.